This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm very excited to be joined today by Susan Maddox, who is Vice President for Finance and Administration at Presbyterian College. Hello, Susan. Hello. To get us started today in this podcast, I was hoping you could talk about how you came to higher ed as a profession. I graduated, after I graduated from college, I went into um, the typical CPA route and I worked for Ernst & Young and um, worked on my CPA, got my master's degree and um, had expected, you know, at that time thinking that I wanted to be a partner with a, with a large CPA firm. And um, life happens and I was ready to have children and along the way, the hours that I had to put in at a at the CPA firm did not work with being um, wanting to be a mother. Along that time, I got a phone call from one of my college professors saying that the controller position was open at my alma mater and would I be interested in doing that? Wow. It was funny because, you know, I had just completed my master's in tax and I get a phone call to go work for a college who doesn't pay tax. And so, you know, that was the joke around the family. Well, I guess that master's degree was a waste of money. But uh, anyway, so that's how I got into it. He called me up and um, I got the position within two weeks and have been in higher ed ever since. So that was, um, you know, fairly early on in my career. I was with uh, the CPA firm. It was Ernst & Young for three years. And then I moved into higher ed after that. Wow. What would you say is different about the private sector and higher ed. Contrast the two, if you would. Very different. I have found it. And, you know, like I said, I was not in the private sector for very long. Right. But I have found higher ed to be more about relationships and changing lives and getting to know professors and students, as opposed to um, the checklist when I was an auditor of the things that I had to check and, and make sure were correct and checking behind clients and asking questions along those ways, but not nearly as people focused or as relationship driven as I have um, so much enjoyed in higher education. You're a CBO in what has historically been a more male oriented career path. Can you talk a little bit about your experience as a woman CBO? That is a great question. I have um, been in so many meetings where I'm the only female in the room. <laughs> and, um, you know, from bankers to construction firms to um, just along the way, and even other CBOs typically are, are male. So it's one of those things where I, I don't even think about it. I have my job to do and I, you know, have things that I have to take care of. And so I go in with the confidence of knowing that I am competent in my position. So I have not had any situations that I can think of where being a female was a detriment to me, it actually has helped me out along the way. That's been positive. I, I do remember my first 
time on a construction site <laughs> thinking, oh my word, what <laughs> world have I just stepped into? Um, at the time, I had a gentleman who was older who was um, an owner's representative for the college. And afterwards, you know, he pulled me to the side and talked about how they would try to intimidate me um, because I wasn't female, but, you know, gave me some pointers and some tips and they have worked well for me along the way. So it's been good. Because a little bit ironic, though, isn't it, that you left the private sector to get a little bit more flexibility with your family. And then you end up in this career that's not, there's not that many, there weren't that many women floating around. That is for sure. That is a very good point. I remember when I was at the private sector, having children or, you know, being away from the job was not at that time well received. And it's very different now in in public, um, you know, in public accounting firms. So they welcome women and welcome women wanting to have children and giving them flexible work schedules. But that wasn't the case back then. So um, I'm happy that things have changed. Susan, what would you say is the number one skill set you've relied upon throughout your career as you as you look back on your tenure? I think being a CBO, you have to be you have to be organized. You have to there's so many different things that as a as a chief financial officer and a chief business officer that you're in charge of, from the accounting to the endowment to physical plant to construction projects and dining halls and contracts and vendor relations. So there's so many different things. I have had to keep myself on a strict schedule on, you know, strictly very organized to make sure that no balls get dropped. Um, And so I have found that to be very important. And just um, the ability to always follow up and meet deadlines has been very important in my career. I would imagine that with that many projects and a a job that has a huge breadth of subjects you're dealing with that it it would also you also need to be flexible in bouncing from one to the next that is absolutely correct so my day might start off with the first thing in the morning an insurance meeting and I go from there to talk with somebody about dining services and after that I have to pop over you know pop over and go to a meeting about facilities and then possibly it's a payroll challenge or issue that I'm working through so throughout the day you have to be able to be flexible you have to be creative. You have to, you have to be able to switch gears very quickly. You can't just keep thinking about the last thing you were just working on because you're suddenly in a whole new area, um, which keeps you on your toes and keeps the job very interesting. There's certainly nothing boring about being a CBO. What are you doing in your role today that you never imagined you'd be doing, let's say, ten years ago? I think the thing that that has always amazed me when I think about and, and it's more than 10 years. But when I think about, you know, what I went to college and the classes that I took, you know, nothing that I took in college prepared me to understand facilities. And, you know, right now on my campus, we're having a problem with the the turf and the grass. And so, you know, I was out there yesterday talking about fescue and rye and all kinds of different grass options. And those are not the kind of things that I would have ever thought that I would have the skill set or the knowledge to even ask the question, much less be able to contribute to the conversation. And so um, the facility side of my position, and potentially because I'm a female as well, um, and it doesn't come as natural to me, I don't have an engineering background or degree to, um, to contribute to those conversations. So that's, I think that would be the thing that is a surprise to me. Now, it's been more than 10 years because I've been a CBO more than 10 years, but that's, um, that's the example that comes to mind. Are there are there any things you think colleges should be teaching students today that they're not in order to prepare them? Maybe not for, you know, the details of ryegrass versus fescue, but right. <laughs> are there are there things that are missing that would help 
with that organization and the flexibility you had talked about earlier? I think for me, the big difference is I was very accounting focused. And, you know, even my master's degree was um, extremely technical with a master's in tax. So the the liberal arts education certainly helped me. I have a liberal arts education. I'm a huge proponent of that. Helped me to be more well-rounded. But anything that would help leaders or help um, everybody in the business world to um, be a better speaker, to be more well-rounded, to be flexible, to help um, help you know how to build relationships. Those are the skill sets that are needed in, in most any job that you have, but definitely in higher education. What do you find most exciting about your role currently? I love working with students and I love working with faculty. You know, I found that if I can get involved in, you know, e- even if it's in attending a ball game, but if I get to know the students and get to know the faculty members and the projects that they're working on, it just makes your job more fulfilling to to know that you're make, um, making a difference and changing lives. It's not about debits and credits and it's not about as important as balancing the budget budget is. That's not what um, that's not what higher education is all about. So that's the part that I that I enjoy the most. How do you do that? Is that just a natural part of your job or do you really seek out those relationships and those conversations? You have to really seek out those relationships. Um, The way my campus is located, the administration building is on the far end of the campus and the students, the faculty members are more central to campus. Mm. And so I have to watch for events that are happening on campus and specifically attend those events and um make myself a part of those conversations because they do they do not come naturally and i'm not I, and i do not think it's something that every cbo would find important to their career but it's been very important to me what would you say is the biggest challenge that faces all cbos today nakubo is doing um a study now on the higher education model and, you know, quite frequently you hear that our business model is broken. And I think that's the biggest challenge for CBOs today. Um, limited resources, the, the tuition going up, the ability of parents to pay going down and how you fill that gap. All of the stuff going on in the government and all the, you know, the scrutiny on education and the, with the Department of Education. That's a huge challenge for, for higher education and certainly a challenge for CBOs. And how are you personally tackling that? challenge, or at least starting to to think about that? Our college is undertaking a strategic plan. We're just starting that. And that is a piece of the conversation to see what PC can do to be more proactive in that conversation and how we can position ourselves to be successful, to be a thriving institution, um, as opposed to just a surviving institution. So it's been a platform of the of the strategic plan and will continue to be. I also try to be very active in Sukubo and attend the conferences. I'm on the Sukubo board. I just attended Nakubo this past summer as well. So staying up to date on what's going on, what Nakubo is doing, mm-hmm. and what's going on in the world makes a big difference. Susan, who would you say has been a professional mentor to you over the years? That's an easy question. Um, Mary Lou Merck, I would say, has been my best um, mentor. Hmm. She has taken, and and I'm sure you know her through Nakubo, she has taken the time to, um, we go to lunch frequently. We, um, anytime I'm at a conference, she introduces me to at least five to 10 new people. And it it amazes me that she knows so many people. (laughs) She knows what institution they're with and usually the institution they were with before that. Wow. So she's great at making connections. And that has helped me grow my network, my, my, 
you know, list of colleagues that I can call on because after I meet them through Mary Lou, then I'm much more apt to contact them myself. So um, she's been huge for me. Outside of connections, what other things do you think you've learned from Mary Lou? She has shared um, requests for proposals with me. We've shared policies back and forth. And and then just the, the lunches that we have where we talk about the challenges that each of us have on our campuses, mm-hmm. you know, Presbyterian College is much smaller than Furman, but quite frequently the challenges that we have are so much the same. So it's nice to have that sounding board and um, to hear how she's dealing with issues that might come up with faculty or staff or students or, you know, whatever is going on in our world. So it's it's nice to have that relationship. Is that something that you try to do with other professionals on your campus or through Nakubo or Sakubo? Do you try to support other CBOs as a mentor yourself? I would love to do more of that. I um I do on my campus. Um, one person who specifically works for me, working with her on growing into the profession more is something that I've taken an interest in doing. I also just participated in the Kubo New Business Officers. I was on faculty for that, mm. and thoroughly enjoyed that process. And um, since then have had several, I was, I was also a speaker at a session at Nakubo. And since then I've had a number of people reach out to me either about the session or about something that we talked about in the new business officer um, training. And so I've continued to work with those, with those individuals and reach out to a couple of the folks that were in the um, new business officers just to see how they're doing um, in their roles. It sounds like it's a little bit of putting yourself out there um, in addition to looking on your own campus to see where those relationships might be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the thing I've not been able to do that Mary Lou has done so well is she took me under her wing, I would say, when I became a CBO and um, we're close together. So there hasn't been anybody in South Carolina that's been new to the role yet, but I'm looking for them as soon as they're out there. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> check check <laughs> Susan out. When you look, I've, I've had many conversations on this podcast about the the fact that so many CBOs are nearing retirement age, and it seems like there's this gap in who is going to fill those probably very big shoes around the country. When you think about people coming up through the ranks, what would you say are the most important characteristics? And is the role going to be the same for them in the future as it has been for you? Um, throughout your career? That is an excellent question. I think that you're right. And so often a person might not even have the desire to move into that role, mm. which is the situation with a couple of people on my campus that I think would be excellent at it, but they don't have the desire to give that much of their time and attention and work-life balance to to becoming a CBO. So I think that's one of the things that CBOs need to intentionally work on, those on our campus that could move into those roles. Um, The skill sets, I think, with technology and the way technology is changing and the, um, as as I talked about, that higher business education model that's broken. So I think the new CBO is going to have a whole different skill set and different um, different outlook on what's what they're going to have to do to make their jobs work. How has the role of CBO changed since you entered the profession? When I first entered the profession, it was more about um, crunching the numbers and giving presentations to the board of trustees and making sure the budget got balanced. And now it is much more relationship driven. And um, I have found that if I can get to know, if there's a particular person on campus that 
always is breaking the rules, you know, and the rules being not turning in expense reports or not doing whatever they need to do to make the business of the college work well. If I get to know them and get to know what they are doing and what they're trying to accomplish, we typically can get to the right end, the right situation in the very end when I get to know them and they get to know me. And I would say that that is very different. I think when I first started, it was much more black and white than it is today. Well, and part of that relationship building is communication, it sounds like. Is that something that has always been a strength of yours or is that something you've had to work to develop? It's definitely something that I've had to work to develop. You know, I have been so envious of my provost colleagues who can just flow out a document of, um, you know, whatever nature where they're communicating to the campus. And that's something that I've struggled with because I want to make sure, um, you know, everything in it is said correctly because, of course, I'm sending this out to a bunch of PhDs. So, um, <laughs> Just something in the back of your mind as a CBO that you want to make sure you communicate correctly. So no, for me, it did not come naturally. If I could change something um, when going back to college, I would take more English classes and more public speaking. Would that we all had a crystal ball back in college, we could look forward and, and see what we actually needed versus the classes we were taking, right? That's right. Susan, anything else you'd like to share today that I've neglected to ask? I specifically am finding myself in a situation now where I hired too quickly. Mm. It's a very critical position for the institution. The applicant pool was small. And um, we went with somebody in the applicant pool. And I would... Um, encourage all CBOs to, if their applicant pool is not big enough, take the time, expand the pool, and make the right hire because it makes all the difference in the world in the long run um, in how much time you have to put in bringing somebody up to speed or, you know, maybe you never get them there. So um, I think that's a mistake that I've that I've made um, and I need, to, I need to do a better job and certainly take the time because hiring is one of the most important things that we do. That's such a good lesson. Did you, throughout the hiring process, did you know that that person wasn't quite right, but you talked yourself into the fact that maybe they were right? It was a committee process, and mm. everyone on the committee talked about the strengths, but yet the weaknesses of the individual, mm -hmm. and um, talked about what we could do to help them overcome those weaknesses to support them. So it was more about, right. you know, they have such great qualities, but these are the things that we could help them work on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we underestimated um, and didn't know the full scope of everything with the, with the, with the person. So that's something that I would do differently. Absolutely. As I think the committee would have as well. That is a great lesson. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much, Susan, for your time today and for sharing just a few of your insights and reflections with us. You are welcome. Thank you so much for the invitation. I feel honored to have been asked. You can find out more about Susan and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks and iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Susan and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. 